1: Brian Broaddus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is
3: Monday, December 11th, 2023, Season 19, Episode number 86. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Morgan Studios at the start. We got Amber in shades. We got Patrick over there just humming along. Brian's just like here. Like, we're all just trying to feel this thing out. Cowboys get a big win yesterday. Dallas 33 Philadelphia 13. Uh, I think we all picked Dallas, but man, I don't think anybody expected to see what we saw last night. That was a domination from the beginning of the game. Uh, Dallas looked really, really good last night. We'll break that down for you guys throughout the course of this show. We'll start where we start on every Monday with the storyline. What's the big picture storyline coming out of this game? And today I want to start with Amber. Let's go with you first. Big picture storyline. Come on.
2: Well, big picture. We found out that the Eagles are actually not a good football team. Hmm. How You're about gonna that? You're going to go there? No, I don't
3: believe not, that. I don't believe we're that. Not, not I saw.
2: No, I don't either. I okay. don't right, believe that good. either. But good. that's what I see all over Twitter. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. shut it. Goal post Oh, my right. God. Go. post Oh, move. my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's insane. Some yeah. of the takes that I've been reading since last night or seeing on Twitter and other media outlets <laughs> out there that, like, they just – will not give it to the Cowboys. They just like coming up with different reasons. Let's just see what kind of insane reason can we come up with this time to change the narrative and make it look again and sound like the Cowboys are not a good team, but they are. <laughs> they are. Yes. Sorry, fly birds. What is it? Fly Eagles Fly, fly go, Eagles fly. Fly. Yes, like Man, that. real quick. Fly
0: home with that L. <laughs>
2: you know, for my birthday, I went to Six Flags and yeah. out there, bunch of eagle fans and just out of nowhere people just adults grown adults riding rides go birds Fuh! i'm like shut up like no one's <laughs> even talking to you what are you doing like just enjoy the freaking park they're so obnoxious <laughs> so oh my god but i'm glad you enjoyed arlington texas um
3: yeah, i didn't enjoy it too much by yeah, the end no. of the night
2: yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyways the storyline for me i mean what an amazing job McCarthy has done with this team and everything that he's done and implemented with all the changes. I know we were very questionable of um, what he was doing the first few weeks of the season and rightfully so because everything that we were seeing wasn't uh, necessarily great. You know, we were there were concerns there and to be fair, he was able to change everything very quickly with the new system that he implemented and it seems to be exactly fitted for what Dak Prescott is as a quarterback. It fits him perfectly, and they just keep exceeding my personal expectations and playing better and better each week um, after the loss, the tough loss against the 49ers. So I think, to me, we saw a complete football team in all three facets of the game from start to finish. I was concerned heading into the second half when Dak um, had that fumble I was concerned that I'm like, oh, let me buckle up, buckle up that seatbelt because it's about to get bumpy here. Uh, Because we've seen the Eagles come back in the second half of many, many other games. So that, that wasn't out of the question yet. And the Cowboys handled the situation perfectly. And they just played a beautiful, competitive game all from beginning to end.
4: Brought us. It's going to really come down to two things for me in this game. How well were you going to be able to help your right tackle in the game and how well was he going to play? Were you going to let Hassan Redick be a factor in this game like he was the first time round, Or whoever played as the left edge for the Eagles. Uh, those were the worries for me. And the second worry was how well were you able to hold up in the secondary when you needed to? And, you know, there, uh, really on both accounts, I felt like it was outstanding. When you watch the film, you'll see – Uh, You know, Steele did a really nice job. The single blocks he had to deal with. They helped him with the double teams with Pollard. They chipped with Ferguson. They spaced him with Ferguson out there. So everything that we kind of talked about in the game leading up to, like, how would you try and handle – uh, how would you handle dealing with Reddick? And I, I was really impressed because sometimes when coaches will be really stubborn and they won't have a plan for that, they'll say, okay, no, we're good enough. But they realized that there were some issues there at the right tackle the last time that these two teams played. And give uh, give Steele a lot of credit. The single blocks he had, he did a really nice job, but his, uh, his teammates helped him well. In the secondary, though, you needed to find a way uh, to handle these receivers. It came down to: Were well, you going to be able to travel, guys? You know, a lot of teams don't like to travel, guys. Well, they took uh, they, they took your, uh, your 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 corners and they moved them around a little bit. You know, Gilmore was able to, to go. Uh, you know, and handle Brown when they needed to him. Uh, the turnovers that they created. We talk about how well that the uh, that the safeties needed to play in this game, and and to a man, they did a great job. Uh, the turnovers, the fumbles, all those things were uh, led to a victory. So, things that they needed to work on to get a victory, they were able to to take advantage of those.
0: Um, first and foremost, I want every opposing receiver to call Stephon Gilmore old from now on. I just need you to do that um, so you can learn the lesson that A.J. Brown learned on yesterday. Gilmore was outstanding, um, and so was Bland when he was targeted, and uh, going to Bland kind of brings me back to a, a central point that I spoke about going into the game, which was uh, you have to tackle against this Eagles uh, offense. You have to tackle, 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 because a large part of their offensive production in the air comes from yards after the catch. Uh, Where well, the Cowboys did exactly, exactly that. They were exceptional in um, deleting potential yak. Once the ball was caught, talk about Bland and how he takes down Dallas mm-hmm. Goddard on the left flat. Talk about Gilmore um, and what he was able to do on two consecutive plays, critical plays uh, late in the game as the Eagles were really gasping for some air there. And then on the one particular play, which was kind of a microcosm of, of the game, when the Eagles were able to get some yak, talk about that Devontae Smith playing the fourth quarter, what happens come from behind, force mm-hmm. fumble. So even when they were able to get some yak, they paid for that. Um, so Cal Cowboys defense stepped up and we talked about uh, them giving up that many points to the Seahawks, but we were saying, well, three games in 11 days, and then you look at the uh, the offense they were going up against, maybe they were tired. Coming off of a mini-bye, they proved that that was actually the point. Um, you come in and you shut down Jalen Hurts in that offense. You don't allow them a single touchdown throughout four quarters of football, and this was supposed to be a front-runner for MVP. Uh, you asked about Nick Bosa last week and what Nick Bosa said. Mm-hmm. The blueprint was out there, and I said the Cowboys had the blueprint and the personnel to execute the blueprint so there you go Dak Prescott now has to be the not a the front runner for MVP based on what he was able to do as well Mike McCarthy he's out there calling uh, a great game with sutures in his stomach so Mm -hmm. I mean just uh, it's a statement when it destroys all narratives and I'm with you I love what you said on Twitter last night we're not I'm not accepting any goalposts moving there is no oh well they didn't beat a good team why is it that you're saying this team is not good, is it because they got beat up? Well maybe that's because the team that beat them up is just a better
3: team. so yeah. it's time to change that narrative to that. Yeah in fact the matter is like when you look at, at this this is this is typical of the NFL every there are there are lots of, of teams out there. there are a few really good teams. There's not a team most of the time that doesn't have at least a portion of their season where they hit some adversity. Mm-hmm. this is the nature of it yep. right but you don't get to 10 and three without being a good team. So don't move the goalposts yeah, now. Nah, Philly's a that. good team. They got beat by a better team last night. And that's what Micah said after the game. He was like, we were the better team tonight. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you run this thing back in Philadelphia in two weeks, who knows what it might be. Mm-hmm. Last night, Dallas was clearly yep. the better team. So there is no moving the goalposts. Philadelphia is a good team. Dallas just played a, a phenomenal game. They had a great game plan and they executed really well. Oh, no doubt. Let's talk about Dak Prescott. Last night, he was 24 39, 62% completions, 271 yards, two touchdowns no interceptions. He did have the one fumble, which was returned for a touchdown. The only touchdown of the night uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. And by the way, when you mentioned that about them not scoring a touchdown, it had been since 2017. That was the last Dallas time to that Philadelphia, and Dallas did it to them then, yeah. that Philadelphia didn't score an offensive touchdown in a game. That's a long yeah. streak. That's yeah. a very long streak. Uh, but Dallas shut it down last night. Uh, Dak
4: did also have a 99.4 quarterback rating. How do you assess his play overall? I think the only mistake he made, and he admitted it on the, uh, he got a little sloppy on the fumble, mm-hmm. and and they're going to take a deep shot. Cooks is wide open, yeah, and, it's a, and touchdown. it's a touchdown. And and he he tries to go back to it late, and he drifted in. Now, uh, Martin didn't exactly have you know Cox locked down. I mean, but Dak drifted into into Cox, which made it difficult. That's why you get the sack. And as he's trying to unload the ball or trying to set it up to launch it that's where all of a sudden when he gets hit, it's on the ground. So yeah. really the only mistake, he talks about him not playing perfect. There were a couple of throws he'd probably like to have back uh, with some guys that were open. Uh, there were, you know, some missed some uh, early in the game. I thought he threw the ball a little high. But, man, he dialed things back in. The, 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 the things that he's really, really getting so much better at is seeing and understanding pre-snap though, where he needs to go with the football. that throw he, uh, the throw he makes uh, you know to Ferguson, the, the one that goes up the up the hash. I mean, he realizes that he's going to get a drop linebacker there and it's going to be, and you know it, when, he, when you get a drop linebacker that's not used to playing coverage, Well, it was really a defensive end that's playing as a linebacker that's dropping the coverage. He saw exactly what was going to happen there. And he says, well, you're going to match that guy up with that guy? Well, I'm going to take a shot up the middle of the field. And that's exactly what he did. So his ability to read and understand what's ahead of him has improved so much. Uh, And the coaches are doing a great job with these combination routes of allowing routes to be run off other routes, and it's given him some really, really good throws, and he's taken advantage of that too.
0: Yeah, Deck is—he's—he's uh, he's seen the field like—I mean, he's Bruce Lee right now, as far as being able to read defenses, reading zone, reading man, handling blitz packages. Uh, he's, he's just getting it all done. Now, was it a perfect game for him? Not at all. We've seen more explosive um, production from Dak Prescott. And uh, to, to Brian's point, in the first quarter, he was a bit uneven. There were some dots mixed with some high throws. Um, yeah. That throw that was high to Gallup, it was catchable, but it was high. Yeah. But then the high throw at Ferguson across the middle, that was not catchable. Mm-hmm. Um, but he settled down and he settled in really, really nicely. Uh, and then when you look at what he did with his legs, as Far as keeping them off balance, there were two, uh, two big gainers on the ground with his legs. They were both deleted by penalties. Uh, so the Cowboys didn't get that production. But what it did do was keep that defense honest and say, hey, you know what, if not for that penalty, that would have been a big play. So it keeps it in their mind and they have to stay true and, and defend that as well. So going throughout the rest of the game, they had to. And that, you know, accounting for that helped make the secondary that was already questionable for the Eagles that much more so over the course of the game. So he did it on the ground, even when it didn't count because of penalties. He did it in the air. Uh, he didn't make uh, many, many mistakes. Only one mistake, and he owned up to that yep. one. You got to you know figure out how to get that ball out quicker. That's a, a deep throw to Cooks. Um, but then there were you know a couple mistakes by the receivers, like the deep left. In coverage, that's an absolute dot to Ceedee Lamb. Hits him in the hands yeah. with the the guy draped over him. That ball got in there. One of Lamb's drops. He he wants to have that back. Um, but then you see a uh, you know <coughs> Cooks come up with that play blitz. Dak takes the hit, delivers it. Cooks 30 yards, gets it down to the one yard line. Cowboys punch that in. So, uh, wasn't perfect for Dak, but by all means, it was still an MVP caliber performance, especially when you look at who they were going up against.
4: If he, by the way, if he wins the MVP award, the play they need to show everybody for the, when he accepts the award is the throw that he made to Ferguson. That was kind of a miracle mm-hmm. catch when he's got oh, Byer Bayard, 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 yeah. uh, just yeah, unblocked. Nasty and work. I don't know how he got the ball <laughs> over the, the top. I don't know how he got the top the ball over the top of him, and then get it to Ferguson oh, okay. enough to allow Ferguson to even have a chance, mm-hmm. because uh, Sidney Brown was in great coverage, and I, I you know for that that's that if you go back and we look at metrics, probably the most difficult throw that they're going to say that he made that game would be that one, and it ended up being a thirty-two yard catch, and it just goes to show you the the relationship that he and Ferguson have. He has that much trust in Ferguson that like when he's facing a a, he, a blitzing safety that is not accounted for, you know. It's like okay, I'm going to throw the ball. That ball could have very easily been tipped, knocked up in the air. Heck, Sidney Brown could have knocked it up in the air, but it was put in a really perfect spot, a difficult spot, and Ferguson came up with a huge, huge play. Yep.
2: Uh, yeah, not a perfect game, but expecting a perfect game every time it's a very unrealistic expectation exactly. to set on a quarterback. I think he's still checking all. All boxes. He's checking out all, every single box. And it's impressive and, and very cool to see from the start of his career, his whole development and everything that we've kind of had to sit here and watch and talk about and discuss. You know, earlier on was uh, him having to rely on those short passes. You never saw deep throw passes down the field or him having to sit in the pocket second guessing or trying to figure out what am I going to do where am I going to throw and now none of that like everything has changed he's throwing that ball so beautiful and so perfect all the way down the field it happens so often now to where he's constantly connecting with the receivers um, and it's so in sync it happens so quickly. So you're you're getting a Dak Prescott that's mentally like you were saying, Patrick, he he can read everything, everything so quickly now and and get rid of that ball so quickly and it's just like everything in his mind, body, everything is just in perfect timing for him right now it's
0: like neo looking at the matrix he's just seeing it's like (laughs) ones and zeros for him right now the game has slowed down so much for Dak prescott and you see it uh and last night uh what and you can ask nick harris this because i kept saying i didn't realize i did until harris pointed it out um but over the course of the game you could almost tell when the when the timer went off in Dak's head in the pocket because at, at a certain point it'd be like 1.75 seconds, and you can tell he was about to go. He he was not looking to stand in that pocket it, not a moment longer mm-hmm. than he needed to. He was looking to get out, extend plays and things like that, and apply that extra pressure to the secondary and, and that pass rush. So, I mean, like you said, he he's just seeing it uh, in slow motion, and he is only going to continue to get better. He's he's so comfortable with Mike McCarthy as play caller, so comfortable with his weapons like that. that throw to Jake Ferguson, making that throw. Who does that? I wouldn't have pulled that trigger. He did, but that the, the amount of trust required to pull that trigger and then for Jake to reward him with a catch like that and then yards after
3: the catch like that, uh, this this offense is, is as special as the defense can be. Let's take our first break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the rushing game and the offensive line and how they performed. We'll get to the defense a little bit here in the second and third segments. Well, We'll be back, DallasCowboys.com Radio.
1: a location near you. Back to the break.
4: This is the season for youth football and da- dance camps presented by Avisaline. Don't miss your chance to learn from the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders and former NFL players at AT&T Stadium on December 22nd and 23rd. Celebrate the holidays with the Cowboys. Register today at dallascowboys.com slash camps. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break
3: Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. The segment brought to you by Blockchain.com. Let's talk about the running game. Yesterday, Tony Pollard was 16 for 59 yards, 3.7 average. Rico Dowdle was also 12 carries for 46 yards, a 3.8 average with a touchdown. Patrick, you asked uh, in the break. You're asking if if I noticed or if we noticed that uh, there was more. It seemed like there was a little bit more Definitely. usage of Dowdle. I don't really see that. It, again, I was saying I, I really feel like. The second half of this year, it's been pretty much to me a running back by committee. I'm not surprised at any moment to see one one running back in, at, or the other. Like it just it seems like they're interchangeable at this point for the Cowboys. What what were your thoughts?
0: Well, I, I distinctly remember, and we talked about it uh, during the break. There was a point where. I want to say third quarter-ish, where it felt like Rico was was really getting a lot of burn. I mean, like three, four reps in a row to the point where I I kind of said out loud, I said, is Tony okay? Uh, And then a couple plays later, Tony was back in, and he got two or three runs in a row, so he was obviously physically fine. But the fact that I had that thought, if I recall correctly, that's the first time I've had that thought all season. Um, And it may go to your point that it's more so a 50-50, and it could be you 51-49 for Tony this week, and next week could be 51-49 for – Uh, Rico Dowdle and that's probably the case which I would be completely fine with because it keeps both of those guys fresh going into December and in January and then hopefully into February so um, I'm with McCarthy if that's his plan it looks like that is because it it is bearing itself out we'll see how things go in Buffalo where that run game might really come into play depending on what the weather is Um, but yeah I mean it was good to see because Tony the thing I'm liking about Tony Pollard is uh, as the offensive line has come together and the continuity is there. You're seeing the lanes develop. And he's not doing a lot of dancing. He is running north and south. That A couple of plays last night where he hit that hole and he hit it hard, that was very Ezekiel Elliott-ish to me. And I was like, okay, Tony, I see you getting dirty. And then Rico Dowda will come in, and Rico sees the lane, and he either hits it or if that lane closes, it's immediate bounce. Like his quickness is out, which reminded me of – tony pollard in like 2022 and 2021 so it feels to me like those two are kind of settling in those roles and pollard is getting much more comfortable with doing that dirty work now that his offensive line is is really um gelling and and giving him those lanes to do so
2: yeah i'll say i I agree with you and i I would have to go back because i can't think exactly like what the reason like why that thought came into into into, yeah because Same with what you were saying, Derek, like we do see them being interchangeable all the time. That's what it's been. But I do remember twice in two occasions where I'm working on the computer and I look up and I see Rico and I'm like, huh? In situations where usually you would see Tony instead, but again, because it is interchangeable like that, you don't give it that much thought or look into it that deeply. But I, these, uh, it felt like they were using them a little bit differently. I don't know, if Brian, if you've had time to kind of
4: yeah, they, t- they, take a better they look throw, at that. When they throw the ball, they would rather have Pollard in there. He catches the ball well and he blocks well. The thing that's encouraging me, he had an 11-yard run last night where he broke an arm tackle of the safety Bayard. You know, and it's now you're starting to see that mm-hmm. where he's making people miss, or he's running through arm tackles. I think early in the season you didn't see that happen at all. Yep,
3: yep. One other thing to note: I just looked up their their uh, snap count. Uh, Pollard actually had the lion's share of the snaps between the two. Uh, he had fifty nine snaps, seventy two percent. Uh, where Dowdle only had 23 snaps, 28%. So he's getting the lion's share of mm-hmm. the work. It uh, but just, it doesn't even feel like that to me. It just feels like any either one of them can be out well, there at any moment. It, it might
0: have been that there was a particular stretch of time where there was so much Rico. Yeah, that second it, half. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Particularly in the third quarter where it made me have that thought, well, is Tony okay? Because we had seen Tony a good bit yeah. in the first half. And then maybe so after that, you know, you kind of go back to Tony. But Rico got a ton of burn in that third quarter. Yeah.
4: We're starting to see it where it's more more like it's like you said more like a college program Mm -hmm. there was a time where it was zeke and pollard and there would be like second or third series you would Mm -hmm. see a guy come in for that whole series and they're really not doing that it's it's like they'll They'll shuffle in tight ends, they'll put a back end. You know, they'll shuffle in receivers, they'll put a back end. So they're part of, like, the packages that these guys are, are running right now.
3: Yeah, if you remember, there was a time when every games we'd finish, yeah. and Pollard didn't seem to feel very yeah. much. Like, uh, they just didn't use him in nope. the same way. But you're seeing they're using both of these guys, mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. is actually a really good thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a good thing for your offense when you got two guys you're using regularly. All right, let's talk about the offensive line. They did allow two sacks yesterday. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the running game. How did the offensive line play? And specifically, I want to talk about. I know you you mentioned Steele, but I want yeah. to talk about Steele and Biadish because there were a couple of moments there where you kind of where it seemed like Biadish kind of was having a little trouble there in the middle. What did you see from the offensive line?
4: He got tripped on the. He had 25 yards of penalties on one drive. Yeah, and the one play where he got hold, he he got run over. The, but he probably would have been able to maintain his feet. Uh, but he tripped on Martin's foot going Mm -hmm. backwards. And so what happens is he's going back, he's got his hands inside, and he just pulls the defender on top of him. The officials call that. I don't know how you could call clipping on him. His head was was across (laughs) the defender's leg. And so if it was behind or in the back where he was going into the back of his leg, but the fact that his head was already front side of the play – uh, that that shouldn't have been a tripping <clears throat> call, and so you know that happens. Uh, I can't remember the last time I saw a tripping call, by the way, or not tripping, a uh, clip call mm-hmm. inside on an offensive lineman like that. Uh, overall, though, I, I, I tell you what, the, the combo <gasps> blocks that they got in the running game with with Steele and Martin were coming off really well. Uh, Biadish I thought held his own in the running game. They ran some really creative runs. They tried an old school trap. Uh, they did some misdirections. They did double screen where they ran mm-hmm. both guards and the tackles opposite directions. So they're trying to create some space there. I like doing that. Uh, but I mentioned this stuff about with steel And they, they went into this game thinking, okay, we're going to have to help him a little bit. And I talked about the single blocks he did were good. The double team blocks Pollard helped him there. The sack, I... I I have a question and I wish I could ask somebody in the organization about this because the sack that that Steele gave up it was almost like he was expecting Pollard to help him to the outside and Pollard was set up to do that because Steele never got out of his stance. Mm -hmm. It's like Steele only engaged with his right hand and his feet were so slow so you're thinking okay, is he slow sitting here to give Pollard a chance to get outside and help and that way because the very next play, they ran the same thing, and Pollard helped him. And so they were able to. So I wonder if maybe Steele thought, hey, I'm getting help on this particular pass play. But, I mean, he allowed Reddick, and, you know, luckily he didn't lose Dak because Reddick went really, really low coming in there onto on his knees. Yeah. But overall, I mean, I think you have to be pleased uh, with the way that they were able to hold up both in the running game and then also with their pass protection stuff.
3: I was looking at uh, Tyron Smith. This is an interesting stat from him. Uh, he was against Josh Sweat nineteen times last yeah. night. Allowed five pressures. Right. Uh, Twenty six point three pressure percent pressure rate. So not great, but you know, obviously, it didn't end up being disastrous for the Cowboys. And then juxtapose that to Zach Martin. Who was up against Fletcher Cox right. 26% of the time? I heard one you sack. say it on the show yeah. last yeah. night, mm-hmm. and I went and looked it up, and he had one pressure, one, pressure one sack yeah. uh, against 26 That was the fumble. And, I was going to yeah, say, which? Yeah. And now he's he's, have he's second lowest pressure rate. He's allowed the second lowest right. pressure rate of any guard, uh, right guard, right. Uh, in the NFL through week 14. So, Zach Martin playing uh, more outstanding football. Tyron continues to play more outstanding football, yeah. although yesterday was a bit of a challenge for him.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, you look at the offensive line as a unit, and they play no, pretty well. No issues there. Yeah. No issues there with, uh, you know, that it wasn't anything like that. Some of the protections – the, in week nine where they, there was a, seemed like every down there was yeah. some type of pressure in Dak's face in this game it was a little bit more of a clean pocket for him Yeah, yeah. offensive line
0: look, looked really good I mean like you said five pressures from Josh Swett against Tyron Smith but no sacks uh, yeah. and, and I venture to say those pressures didn't really disrupt what the Cowboys were trying to do on any of those plays uh, Zach Martin fantastic football against Fletcher Cox if Dak Prescott gets rid of that ball uh, it's a touchdown and not yeah. a sack and we're not talking about Fletcher Cox having any impact on the game whatsoever Uh, Jalen Carter, he gets his scoop and score from that. But other than that, he had one pressure. Jordan Davis, zero pressures. I mean, that interior really held up when it comes to Tyler Smith, Tyler Biadish, and Zach Martin. They were not allowing any pressure up the middle. And that allowed for Dak Prescott to be able to, you know, read the field
4: and and react. That's Philadelphia's problem right there. If they don't get edge pressure, now now their secondary gets exposed.
3: Yeah yeah, and you know i'll I'll mention this. like I do think part of this, part of what the offense, what we're seeing from the offensive line right now and and how well they look. Is also, in my opinion, a result of how good Dak is playing. Yeah. Um I remember Fair. back when when Bledsoe was the quarterback here, they were having all kinds of problems with the offensive line.
4: And, Tony and then
3: they out. made that decision mm-hmm. to put mm-hmm. Tony Romo in there, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. the offensive is playing great. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, wow, the offensive line's really gotten better. Tony's no, they're doing the same, <laughs> but he knows how he knows how to move <laughs> yeah, around. Tony's he forces the defense to play him differently. So they can't just rush because he's rushing to a spot. Right. And I think that's that's what gets lost a lot of times is for an offensive line. And a lot of times, the, the ability of the quarterback can make them look really good or make them look really
4: poor and, yeah. and really ex- exacerbate whatever problems they already had. Well, the touchdown pass that, that Prescott had that threw to Lamb the first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just Lamb running across and then Dak being able to get you get a really good edge block by uh, Tyron Smith that allows him to get to the outside. And there's Dak, you know, Dak on the move, throwing the football. You know, you get the receiver, you get separation. Dak finds the guy. Dak running to his left. It's usually money throwing the ball, and he was able to complete it. Uh, it was really a, a really pretty play just because your quarterback was able to move and your receiver kept moving with him. Which is why think, the oh,
2: – I was just going to say that. I think um, a lot of the times that I'm watching, because it helps them a lot the fact that Dak gets – red of the ball so quickly because at times, and I feel like I've seen many, many plays where had he held the ball maybe three more seconds or somebody would have gotten Dak Mm -hmm. and right in his face. So it's always like the right timing, the perfect timing, not enough to the point where it just distracts Dak and messes up with what he's trying to do, but just the perfect timing. And I think right now, maybe it's the fact that they won and I'm feeling positive and I feel good today, but I feel like giving them more praise than criticism, because we know that even though some of these guys are no longer popping up on the injury report with some type of injury, we know that they're still dealing with stuff. Yeah, All of them, pretty much like, so the fact that they've, held strong to this point and that we are at least seeing progress in the running game, which was a huge deal. Um, I think they, they've done a really,
4: really good job. I think they're scheming better, too. Mm. I, I think there's actually better uh, idea of how they want to attack fronts with the way that they're blocking these fronts.
0: And, and and also to that point, kind of circling back to Dak really quickly, excellent point by Ambar. I think that if you compare Dak Prescott Post Week Five to Dak Prescott pre Week Five, pre Week Five it was much more mechanical as he tries has he tried to figure out how to operate this offense. It was much more drop back what's my what's my timer let it go who's going. Um, now it's he's so comfortable with it that he's no longer that statue in the backfield trying to figure it out. It's one two it's not there I'm moving but I'm still eyes downfield I'm moving still eyes downfield okay screw this ten yard uh, rush for a first down. So because he's so much more comfortable and the better word is he's in command. He's in total command yeah. of this offense that was not the case weeks one through week five. But now that he's in total command, you're seeing it in how explosive they can be. Mm-hmm. And the offensive line, like you said, one hand washes the other. They're helping him with continuity and, and you know protecting and carving out lanes for the running game. He's helping them when the pressure does come. Five pressures from Josh Sweat. Sweat can't get his hands on him mm-hmm. because Dak, the timer went off. Dak's out of there and a big play is made.
3: Yeah, I love that that word. I think that sums up his play. Uh, here over these last several weeks, is command. I yeah. think you can really see how much he is really commanding this offense. All right, we're going to take our final break. We'll come back. We've got to talk about this defense. They had a, another really good night. Not a great night necessarily compared. I mean, a great night compared to last week for sure. We'll talk about that when we
1: come back. Uh, this is DallasCowboys.com Radio. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil changed, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change. A proud partner of the Cowboys is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, Friendly and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take Five, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorite. Favorites, and a full sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys VIP. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys VIP. They say champions are remembered, but legends
4: Experience the most electrifying event of the holiday season. It's the Cowboys Christmas Extravaganza. Extravaganza. Powered by Reliant, every Friday and Saturday night through December 16th, Cowboys Christmas Extravaganza. Extravaganza. Ignites, ignites the star in Frisco with an unforgettable holiday performance showcasing 65 performers, including the world-renowned Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, Santa Claus, and appearances from your favorite Dallas Cowboys football heroes. Visit the stardistrict.com for more info. The
3: extravaganza.
4: We do. We read that. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Wolchuk, on <laughs> in the game <laughs> show, we, were, we did this read last night, and we did it. We did, we yelled the extravaganza. Got to have them. some fun. So they'll be happy with us here they in the will. Star District. I'm sure. Maybe they'll give us a little, little Christmas cheer, a little Christmas bonus. Do you hear Beamer with the music? I do. I do. I like yeah, that. I do like That's that. Great. I like the music. Yes. That's great.
3: All right. Here we go. Uh, let's finish this thing up. Let's talk about the defense last night. I want to start with Stephen gilmore he had nine tackles one forced fumble uh he after the game did talk about the fact that he traveled (laughs) quite a bit with a.j brown um and he said that they come to him earlier in the week and told him about it and he was like pretty excited about it because he he admitted sometimes he can get a little bored when you have to sit in one spot but he did a fairly good job the interesting thing is it wasn't like a.j brown got shut down Mm -hmm. i mean he did have nine catches for 94 yards didn't have a touchdown, so weren't any killer plays, but he didn't really shut him down. How would you assess his play overall? Gilmore.
0: I think Gilmore was fantastic. Honestly, like I said, I, I hope everybody calls him old um, so he can feel away and, and play accordingly. And, and like you said, A.J., he had just under 100 yards, but it's also fair to say that there was some stat pattern going on there as well. Um, At the end. Yeah, there was some stat pattern going on. Um, and, but, you know, when you talk about Gilmore in this particular game, you also have to talk about, you know, I mentioned it earlier, his ability to tackle, his willingness to get in mm-hmm. there, get his hands dirty, take down a bigger guy like A.J. Brown on more than one occasion, critical stops uh, to delete the, the yards after the catch. You talk about the force fumble from behind. That was one of those plays where, uh, yeah, A.J. makes the play. He's trying to get some, some yards after the catch, and Stefan comes up behind him and just completely rips the ball out. Another huge play for the Cowboys' defense. Mm-hmm. So uh, you love what you're getting from Stephon Gilmore, and quite as it's kept, he's played some really good football uh, the majority of this season, and that's what you need when you lose a guy like Diggs. And we talked about it when when the Cowboys lost Diggs for the season. That made the, the value of Stephon Gilmore Moore's trade, that much more priceless. And now you see why that is. So, uh, shouts out to Gilly. He did a fantastic
4: job there. I thought his fourth down stop was a good oh, yeah. change the game. Mm-hmm. I really did. I felt like the Eagles, I mean, with the turnovers were huge as well. But that, you know, they're going to try and run him through the trash. And he, you know, on the other side, here's coming from the opposite direction. Here's Big Brown coming right at you. And he totally avoids <laughs> that and is able to stay you know, with... Uh, with his man, with Smith going across. And I think what was even better about it was that Kirsten Armstrong got home on the blitz. They ran a six-man blitz, and the ball came out low. And so Smith had to wait on the ball and had to adjust low, and that gave gave Gilmore even more of an opportunity to close in the open field. And, uh, you know, hats off to him for making a sure tackle on the outside because if somehow that Smith – misses that or gets through that tackle it's up the sidelines and who knows what's happening but I thought that play right there changed the momentum of the game for the for the Cowboys
2: yeah there are times that and I'm not calling him old okay but there are times that you think there's a
0: benefit now to doing that
2: (laughs) well I'm not I'm not doing I'm not saying that but there are times where he he does appear slow where he is slow and yeah. not appear he is slow yeah. at times in previous games, and you i there are many plays that I can remember where you see him and he 's in pursuit yep. a few steps behind. It didn't really happen in this game. At least I haven't gone back and rewatched everything, but nothing that I can recall out of the top of my head where he's constantly having to chase somebody. He was there in the, where the action was happening. So that's something that I noticed where he was just... Where's the ball? Oh, he's there. He's yeah. there. He's involved. He's right mm-hmm. where he needs to be. Um, that was one of the differences that I, I just noticed from his game compared to previous games. And it
0: was clear that Nick Sirianni made a concerted effort to throw away from Deron Bland because he only targeted Bland twice, and Bland only allowed eight yards. So he was really targeting Gilmore, and he was trying to take advantage of getting his playmakers in space against an older veteran guy who doesn't have the quickness of Bland and Lewis and some of these younger corners. Um, but all Gilmore did was keep the work in front of him and those that kind of got behind him, he turned it into a a takeaway. So when you look at his stat line and you see nine tackles to lead the team and they were all solo tackles, and then you go and marry that to the film and see that those were, you know, impact tackles,
3: almost each one of those Uh, Gilmore, he had himself a day. Yeah. Michael Parsons uh, scared all of Cowboys. I was, I was sitting at, at my house before I left for the game. I had a lot of family in town for the game. And uh, and they all, all my nephews, are on their phones and watch the ball, And they see, and they see the the message come up: Micah Parsons has been added to the injury report. He's sick, and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, what that think mean?" I felt when I got and that I text, said, "I was like, I oh, said, what? I'm gonna put money on it. This is gonna be one of those games where <laughs> Micah's he's a sick going into the game, but Micah's gonna have a good game. Don't even, don't even Fluker. fret, right? Don't even yeah. fret about it. And sure <laughs> enough, Micah shows up. And after the game, they ask him like. So you're feeling good now. He's like, eh, I'm feeling pretty good." You know, got to go home and get some rest, but uh yeah, I thought it was he, he played a good game. But here's an interesting thing. Against Lane Johnson, yeah. who I think is in my opinion the best right tackle in football and has been for several years. Mm-hmm. Uh against Lane Johnson last night, uh he was matched up against him 11 times uh and he had two pressures, one sack. Uh he was uh he was against him 42.3% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um and and that was only that's Going back to Week 9, he was only against him one time. So that was something the Cowboys obviously went into the game saying, we think that Micah may be able to be effective against him, and absolutely was. What were your thoughts on Micah Parsons last night? Yeah,
4: straight bull rush got the sack. Yeah. And Lane Johnson's holding him. I mean, Lane Johnson, okay. he's, he's, in, he's in Lane Johnson's body so deep that yeah. Johnson has no choice, but he's got his left arm kind of wrapped around him. And then Cam Juergens, the guard, is like he can't even get. It's it's such a bull <laughs> rush that Johnson is back, and now Jurgens can't even get and it can't even help. Yeah. And then you have know, you ever seen that? Like I I, I can't well, even think of situations I've seen knew. Johnson
3: just get bull rushes. Well,
4: Usually Tank will Tank back in the day yeah. when Tank would like move him. It, the one thing Lane Johnson can do is he can adjust to you. Yeah, he can yeah. adjust. But the one thing is he gets a little tall and you get inside of him, he can't reset his feet fast okay. enough. And Parsons knew this and just took him straight. Uh, and but really give give a lot of give a lot of credit uh, to but Clark was coverage with Goddard. It looked like that it looked like Hertz wanted to throw the ball inside. And 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 Clark had such good coverage on mm-hmm. Goddard that it made Hertz just kind of have to hesitate to even want to throw the ball. And by that time, Parsons is on him, but he just completely just bull rushed him back. He, he just said, okay, you're not going to be able to set your feet on me in this one. And he got inside of that body. And that's what the ones when – you, when you affect Lane Johnson, it's usually you get him playing, playing back like that.
0: When you, when you see um, – and like you said yesterday, I mean, I was washing dishes when I got that text message <laughs> that Michael was added, and um, I almost dropped a plate because um, I was like, what? Uh, and then I read the rest of it and say he's expected to play, and I'm yeah, like, oh, okay, all right, right. <laughs> all right. Lead with that next time. I think we're just right.
4: protecting ourselves from getting in trouble. No with doubt. The league, I'm just which saying, you need just, to do what you need yeah. to just, do. Absolutely.
0: Just lead with that next time. Just yeah. say he's expected to play, yeah. but he's battling the illness. Okay, uh, make my heart stop. But uh, for him to go out there and, and do what he did, I mean, it wasn't the most explosive game, but it, he definitely impacted the game. He drew several double teams, and yeah. then you talk about just that bull rush to to Lane Johnson. Show me someone else over the course of Lane Johnson's career that has embarrassed him to that particular point. I mean, like like Brian said, he was he almost ran through Lane Johnson. Like he he completely I mean, him back into the obliterated yeah. um, and left him with a bloody nose to, to boot. So uh, no so uh and there was no flag on the play. Funny how that works. So Micah, true to His, true his true hands school?
4: to the face was legit. he Oh anymore. He almost took, took the helmet the, off Yeah, He, <laughs> yeah, he, he ripped Lane see Johnson's <laughs> helmet off, yeah, yeah. yeah. he
0: was he was fed up. Um but Mike Micah uh you know he he battled through flu uh like symptoms and basically the flu. We talked to him in the locker room after the game and he he said that he took as many medications and as much IV as any human could possibly take to be ready to so take
3: the field. he's not taking scoops of stuff and just yeah, no throwing it Yeah, no as more long as he's not doing that. that do
2: worked net. out, too. That worked not, out.
3: Too. No, it did <laughs> not. No, he had to throw that up. <laughs> no, it did not. But how but did he, he play? How game.
2: did he play that game? <laughs> well, he got to say <laughs> and he then he threw it game?
0: up, and then he still had, had a game. Okay, facts. So he still had a really good game. I'm with you, Amber. So you want to do it every
3: game?
2: Just go for it. He was, price you gotta
0: pay. he was fine. to was fine. Then it, it up. becomes a, a scene from the program. And if right. you know, you know, hey, careful. He's gonna start <laughs> sawing buses in half like any given Sunday. Um or sawing cars in half. But no, Michael, he he affected the game and he was less than hundred percent. And to see him do it against a future Hall of Famer like Lane Johnson, I mean, it just tells you just how generational generationally special this young man is. So uh good stuff.
2: Yeah, no, same, great game. Good for Micah. Uh, but definitely when I saw that, I was I was concerned, too. And, like, if he, if something happens, I mean, that would be a big game changer. I think your defense completely yeah. changes if Micah no is not able to be on the field. There's who step up, but
0: there's no replacement for Micah. You
2: can't replicate no. what they're able to do with Micah on the field. So, um, yeah, great victory for them.
3: Yeah, real quick before we end the show, uh, one storyline that dominated the headlines last week was Shaquille Leonard. Uh, he is now uh, mm. with the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> mm. But he only had 14 snaps, so it, it wasn't like they could really integrate yeah. him much into what they were trying so to do. Do you think
2: he regrets his, his I don't decision? think so.
3: I think no. he's probably sitting there thinking, once y'all get me in game. there more, yeah. we'll yeah. do know. better. Right? I'm sure he's looking at it like, "I'll be, I'll be... More integrated into this
4: defense at some point. I think they probably think that as well. He'll play next week in Seattle against Morrow. They'll take forty-one out of the lineup is yeah. what they'll do. Yeah. But
0: but speaking of Shaq Leonard, and you know, not to take anything away from because like you said, on, only 14 snaps and you know, two tackles in that 14 snaps didn't affect the game for the Eagles at, uh, at all. But you know who did is Damone Clark and Marquise yeah, Bell. Uh four tackles apiece, you know, Damone with the fumble recovery in a pass breakup, Marquise Bell with the fumble the forced fumble in the pass breakup. I mean, those two young men absolutely stepped up and and I feel like they felt away way after hearing all these Shaq Leonard headlines and I, I had a kind of an exclusive side to side with uh with Damone after the game in the locker room and I asked him I said hey um was that kind of a message game for you and Marquise after you know days and days of hearing Shaq Leonard headlines and whatnot uh and his quote was um we're young but this ain't our first rodeo End quote. So you take that how you want to take it, but uh, Demon Clark and Marquise Bell—they're—they're they're here to continue sending a message for the Cowboys linebackers. It's funny. I heard him say that. I was standing
3: in front of you, yeah, you and yeah, Micah, and I heard it, I was like, "Who said that? Yeah, yeah, that Demon. <laughs> yeah, okay." And I yeah, was like, was oh, "Oh, oh, that's Patrick back there. <laughs> yeah, with okay. Yeah. I know exactly what he's talking look, about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Had a little
0: yeah. Q and A with Demon Clark and uh, <laughs> very candid, very, very open and uh, very uh, intelligent young man who is is focused. So not only was he, you know, talking about, uh, you know, how this is not their first rodeo and basically what he was saying is at the end of the day this is just football it's the same sport they've been playing their entire lives but then he immediately started to turn the page to buffalo so in the span of a two and a half minute conversation with him he talked about the eagles and then the last 60 seconds of it was talking about buffalo and potential temperatures and and the adjustments that they might make in buffalo so he's already on to the next game which is the
3: culture of the cowboys right Mm -hmm. now guess what the next time we're on the air we will also be talking about the buffalo bills we will not be on the the air tomorrow. Tomorrow, we are going out to do a little service in the community, going to work we at are. the Salvation Army. And uh, so Used we won't be on the we won't be on the air it. tomorrow. We won't be on the air tomorrow. But Wait real quick,
4: a minute.
3: because we're not on the air, I do have to go ahead and give a, an early birthday shout out to my guy, Mr. Brian Broadison. Oh, wow. A very special birthday for him. So, so uh, hey man, you have a who, great who. day tomorrow. I appreciate. There is no, there's no. It's break not on, on your my calendar. calendar. <laughs> it's not on your calendar. I'm sure Chris is <laughs> over there. Like I know, I already sent I out wanted that wanted to look. <laughs> <laughs> it's for your birthday. Happy birthday. Let's Brian. just say it's for your birthday. We're giving you a day for your birthday. You go kick it. Have a good time. Thank you. Have some. Good Ramble barbecue. Gattons. I'm sure that'll be what you want to do, right? <laughs>
4: appreciate that. Thank we
3: appreciate you, you guys joining us. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll tell you what went right. I'm sorry. We'll tell you about the uh, upcoming game, Cowboys <laughs> yeah. versus the
1: Bills. Yeah.
3: For Patrick Walker, Brian Broaddus, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio.
1: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about
4: this, Cowboys? Yeah!